Welcome to The Bike Show with me, Jack Thurston. It's the last week of October already. The lanes are littered with falling leaves, the nights are drawing in, and I think the clocks are about to go back. Autumn is really tightening its grip. And the long hot summer of 2018, well, that's but a hazy memory. That heat wave that just seemed to go on and on and on week after week. I know I had a few glorious days out on the bike, and I hope you did too. Looking back, the most memorable ride of my summer was also my longest. And not just the longest ride of the summer, but the furthest I've ever ridden on a bike in one go. The occasion was a weekend of rides held in honour and memory of the late, great Mike Hall. Mike was a leading light, or you might say the leading light, in the current renaissance of ultra-long-distance bike racing and bikepacking. As well as being an amazing bike racer himself, he was the founder and organiser of the transcontinental race across Europe. And last year, as you probably know, Mike was killed by a car driver while he was competing in a bike race across Australia. And in that awful, tragic instant, we lost one of the most talented, imaginative, inspiring and generous people that I've ever met. And Mike wasn't just a phenomenal bike racer. He struck me as someone who was a very deep thinker and whose ideas went way beyond bike racing. He was also, when it comes down to it, just a really kind decent human being who was great company and did a whole lot of good in the world and so when I heard that there was going to be a whole weekend of rides in Mike's memory out on the Welsh roads that he loved I knew I had to be there. The weekend was called This Is Not A Tour a title taken from an article that Mike wrote explaining his passion for racing a bike over huge distances with only himself to rely on. The weekend was centred on a 400-kilometre-long route that the organisers felt Mike would consider a good day out on the bike. The night before the ride, in the heart of Mid Wales, in Llandrindod Wells, not far from where Mike lived, I caught up with Mark Rigby, one of the weekend's main organisers. Putting this together was very much almost a therapy and a coping mechanism for the events that happened last March. Um, I woke up and looked at social media and I just, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was, it was people like Mike, quite literally live forever. They are immortal. Um, and it, it's, it's something, somebody that I didn't have, comparatively speaking, a lot of contact with, but the contact I had with him was extremely valuable, I think, for us both. Um, and that had gone. Uh, but I, a day later or so, I contacted James Gillis and asked him how he was feeling because James had done a lot of cycling with Mike. So whereas I was more of a on the organisational side and out there working out how to get people around a certain route and whatever. James spent a lot of time off-roading with Mike um, and he he knew the way that Mike rode off-route. So we uh, we bounced a few ideas around and this is where this long, good, 
day rides came into fruition and we quickly got together. We put this package of rides together that, that can appeal to anybody that can ride for a day and be completely exhausted at the end of the day, which is in the best possible way is what we want to do. It is a, the 100-kilometre rides are still a very challenging ride. And so in terms of the ethos of the rides, what have you done to make them different or distinctive or to have a certain character that befits Mike's memory and the whole idea of this is not a tour? As an organiser, Mike used to um, ride some of my events, um, but we also used to chat about the organisational side of all daxes and um, bikepacking rides and so on and so on. So we did know each other's thought process um, and we often bounced ideas around. So I also knew where Mike cycled in and around this area because he used to cycle with people in the group that put the ride together. So we had a kind of complete package, if you like, of knowing where he cycled, how he liked to cycle, and distances and the terrains that he cycled over. And we were able to put that into every one of these rides. So can you elaborate a bit on, on those some of those places, the kind of terrain we're talking about? I mean, we're here in the in the centre of Wales, in mid-Wales. It's it's lumpy, to say the least, very beautiful and quite wild and remote in, in places as well. Yeah, the 400 was um, everybody's idea and Mike's idea of a good day ride. So 400 kilometres, you would have to put a lot of effort into it, but you get a lot out of it. Um, in that, we looked at how we could put 400 kilometres around this area and take in as much as we possibly could, not only of the physical climbing hills and going down sweeping valleys, but also the types of terrain uh, under the tyre. So we put in off-road sections and we've managed to put in five off-road sections, varying from quite smooth to challenging, I would say. Um, some of them are just mud well they will be mud now because it's been fairly wet over the last few days but uh, they shouldn't be deep mud because I, I've cycled them myself um, on fairly narrow tyres and it, it, it's pretty solid it's not the bottomless quagmire that some people might think it is sometimes we have about 520 riders 500 and 40 maybe riders um, have uh, were expecting to be realistic real life gets in the way and that figure might fall by 20 percent you just you just can't be accurate on those figures but um, extremely humbled the fact that so many people have wanted to come along and ride the rides I think what is credit to everybody in the team is that we've got the mixture of rides right that there are the, the massive spread and we we have approximately 90 riders on the 600 and on both 400s um, likewise we have 60 riders on the saturday 100 so there is a fairly even spread right across the board 
of riders that are going to come out and enjoy themselves and remember Mike in their own particular way. I was talking there with Mark Rigby, organiser of This Is Not A Tour, and um, I'm just hopping into bed to try and catch a few hours sleep before what is going to be a very big bike ride tomorrow. And I've signed up to do the slow 300 kilometres, which um, I've noted already is actually 314 kilometres. It's slow. What that means is I get a little bit more time than uh, the standard Audax regulations to complete the 300 kilometres, which I reckon will allow me to um, bed down for the night uh, somewhere out on the route. And um, I don't fancy riding through the night. Um, Not that I don't like riding at night it's just I want to see as much of the beautiful countryside um, of this wonderful country of Wales as I can in a weekend and I'm not going to see any of it if I'm just staring into the dark so um, I've got a strategy which is to um, try and do as much as I can on the first day um, getting up to 200 kilometers maybe a bit more and then leave me a little bit less to do um, on the Sunday I want to do this ride because it's really a harder ride than I've ever done before. I've probably done that kind of distance before, but certainly not in this kind of terrain. A lot of hills, some off-road stuff. And um, I just want to see if I'm able to do something that I've not done before. It's kind of like an itch that you just want to scratch. You just want to see what condition your condition is in as the song goes. I did think about doing the 400, but um, I thought that would just be a step too far and hats off to everyone who's doing that um, or the crazy people who are doing the 600. So um, I've got a sleeping bag, I've got a sleeping mat, I've got very little else, um, a few cereal bars, a little bit of money, a couple of water bottles and um, some sun cream. And I think it's really just time I turned in for the night because um, I've got to be up at five and out on the road. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to doing something new. I'm looking forward to seeing as much of this country as I can possibly fit in 24, 36 hours. And I hope you'll come along for the ride. Well, you catch up with me. Well, it's exactly one o'clock on Saturday and um, I've been on the go for a little bit more than six hours. Um, 112 kilometres on the the speedometer. The day started in um, mist heading out of Llandrin Dodwells. 
um, and a misty climb up the Devil's Staircase over to Tregaron on the mountain road, which is a great road. They're all great roads around here. And um, then we've had a wonderful um, traverse, really, of the Cambrians up through the Elan Valley on a long gravel track around the Clywen Reservoir, um, which caused a few mechanicals in the field, um, not least to me, my saddlebag support working its way loose. But fortunately, I had the tool to fix it. Just been passed by a couple who I've seen a few times. This is a strange thing about riding these Audaxes. is you see people, they overtake you, then they stop and you overtake them, and then you stop and they overtake you, and then you see them again. And they become familiar, even though you maybe never have even exchanged a word. This landscape of the uh, Cambrian Mountains is something very distinctive and different to where I'm from, a little bit to the south. It's as if it's a great body and there's some primal force that's contorting and twisting inside it and working it into these strange shapes, knobbly, kind of hummocky shapes. It's a bit like in a kind of schlocky horror movie where somebody is turned into a demon or possessed by some demonic forces and they're and their body starts to pulsate and strange lumps and bumps and ridges start popping out of it as they transform into this demonic creature. It has that kind of feeling, to me at least. Very unsettling landscape. It's not got the smooth, muscular sinews of the Black Mountains and the Brecon Beacons. Um, and it's not got the kind of classic mini alpine landscape of Snowdonia in North Wales. It's, it's as if there's something trying to get out, but I don't quite know what it is. It's been a mixture of um, quiet lanes, mountain roads and a few of these gravel tracks. And we're on one at the minute, um, heading up from Cumistwith over the top to Llangirig and down to Llanidlois. There's a tiny strip of tarmac in the middle that you have to stay on, basically. Um, otherwise, you're off to the side, into the gravel. A very plucky couple on a tandem came up here. And um, there's a group coming up. How's it going? Good, it's good. You all right? It's all right. It's <laughs> they seem to be enjoying themselves. The sunshine is finally breaking through. I've got... It's Jack, isn't it? It is. How are you doing? Not so bad, good times. What, I don't I recognise Wales without the drizzle. Oh, they're coming thick and fast now. I'm making 
190 kilometers in and it suddenly got very, very nice. We've left the slightly creepy Cambrian mountains behind and um, now really entering into the mountain crucible of North Wales. Um, uh, coming out of the Cambrians, we first went down into the River Wye Valley and then up again onto a ridge and then down, straight down again into the River Severn Valley and then up again on the Machanfleth mountain road which goes up to 500 metres above sea level and that was quite a climb because that came after lunch and um, I had a real food meal for lunch and um, really paid for it in the next 20 kilometres because my stomach wanted to digest and my legs wanted the blood that was required for digestion to pedal the bicycle and um, I'm afraid the stomach won so the legs felt very weedy but um, I kind of ground my way up to the top and the reward was well just a glorious descent um, right back down to sea level and uh, yeah the clouds have gone it's well it's now 20 to 7 actually but there's still a lot of sun left before the sun sets and um, things are good we've just I've just ridden down a glorious valley I can't tell you the name of it um, this is the problem with Audexes you just sort of follow the route sheet or the GPS trace on your computer and you don't really look at the map properly to kind of work out where you are and therefore you don't know exactly where you are but kind of doesn't matter because I'm just taking it in really. There was an astonishing view uh, coming out of Machanfleth of, um, well, up through Corris really on the main road. Just a great reveal of Kadai Idris, which I think is my favourite, single favourite mountain of Wales. Um, it's just such a beer moth it's just huge great lumpy thing it got a real personality to it in this kind of low evening light clear as a bell the texture of the rock and the green grass and the scree slopes really really impressive i was traveling up the mountains one day and suddenly i heard
world is like a mirror Reflect on what you do And if you face it smiling It will smile right back to you So do unto others As you would have them do So that your days Will be many, many years Much longer That is the sound of um, me pumping up my inflatable air mattress. It's actually a new air mattress. Um, it was my reward for uh, the publication of Lost Lanes West. I thought I'd treat myself to an upgrade. And this one, you have to pump up with a little hand pump. It's very light and very small and it feels a lot more comfortable than uh, the other one I had. Uh, so if you bought a copy of Lost Lanes West, well thank you very much. My sleep tonight is thanks to you. Um, now I've completely lucked out on a fantastic church porch. It's um, really spacious in a tiny little village and um, best of all it it faces the hillside completely away from the village so I'm there's no one is gonna notice that I'm here and if they did well I don't think they'd mind I'm just gonna um, get a few hours sleep um, because yeah it's half past ten now and I don't really want to be cycling in the dark um, it's so beautiful here. Oh my goodness. I was in rapture at the top of this long climb. We suddenly looked over the uh, over the ridge and saw Barmouth, the resort town of Barmouth, basking in the late afternoon, early evening sunshine. Far in the distance, the Sheen Peninsula stretching away out into the Atlantic. And then inland, the um, Mawadach estuary. Oh, it was just stunning. Uh, everybody was blown away by, by that section, which we arrived at on a long gravelly descent, which, which was a, a road that I just didn't even know existed. So um, that was worth the whole thing, um, just to discover that, that road. Then it was a pretty fast descent into Dolgeshlai and um, a little kebab in the uh, kebab shop where there seemed to be quite a few other people and then a bit of a long drag along um, some main roads to get to where I am now and the people doing the 400 route and the 600 are heading off up Bulchagrois which is um, one of the nastiest climbs in Wales, if not the very nastiest. And I'm glad that I'm giving that one a miss. Um, so tomorrow, um, it's going to be bright, up bright and early. So it's really the final run-in, because I've, I've done 235 kilometres out of the 315 of this route. And um, yeah... It's all going well. It's strange. I've had a very rough patch 
after lunch and uh, got all hot and bothered and tired and sweaty and then come about four o'clock um everything sort of changed and um felt very strong and steady i mean not powering away from anybody but just plodding through and uh yeah making good progress people do say this about audax is that kind of once you achieve a kind of equilibrium and you eat regularly and you drink regularly you can actually keep going it's the sort of first 200 that's the hardest um i don't know if that's true maybe i'll feel terrible tomorrow and wake up with an appalling backache and tired legs uh, we'll see anyway i've got um five or six hours sleep ahead of me which i'm really looking forward to it's been a very full day and i just can't believe how lucky i've been to find this um place to bed down so much better than a bus shelter really is
Alright, so, um, well, it's dawn chorus time, which, looking at my watch, is 20 past four. It's a bit early, really. Um, I've slept very well on this sleeping mat, though. God, why didn't I buy one of these things earlier? It's like total luxury. Uh, what a wonderful way to wake up. It's 20 to 6 and I've just uh, woken up the legs and discovered that this route that I'm on, the 300, while avoiding the climb of Bulka Groys, takes in one of, the, um, one of my favourite lanes actually and one of the great discoveries of um, Lost Lanes Wales because I didn't know this lane existed, I didn't know what it was like. It's the lane north of Llanbryn Mire and um, it's absolutely beautiful. A completely deserted lane just goes on for, I don't know, 10 miles um, and it's going to be a pleasure to ride it. After that, I think I'm going to be too early for the Museum of Mechanical Magic and its associated rabbit um, village <laughs> which has a very good cafe that serves an excellent breakfast but I think on a Sunday morning um, I'm just going to be there too early oh it's it's amazing really thinking of all the people who've come here and who are out riding today in different parts of North and Mid Wales people who Mike has inspired or been a friend to uh, just such a great loss to the world really and obviously his family and friends close friends and his partner um, but he had a much wider world the world of cycling and in some ways he and I couldn't be more different um, I mean, he's a very strong, determined, competitive guy. And, well, I'm not. But we both love 
cycling and we both love Wales and I think this weekend has shown that that is a powerful connection. Anyway, I miss you Mike. It's, um, what time is it? It's coming up to eight o'clock on Sunday morning and I've run into, well, who have I run into? Introduce uh, yourselves. Justin Headlong. Mark Fielding. Uh, Nick Dodd. Who's going to describe the scene? It's a lovely petrol station in uh, not-so-sunny Newtown. And everyone's just fueling up, trying to wake up to uh, do the last leg. Yeah, we've, um, this is the only place that was open, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> How was your night? How was your ride? The night wasn't too bad um, until about three o'clock. And then it was just hit a wall, had to sit down for half an hour and just like shut your eyes and see what happened. So you rode through the night where you weren't doing yeah. any sort of sleeping no. plan or anything no. like that? Taking it. Taking it as we find it. First time we've done it and we're just winging it and making it up as we go. Stunning scenery yesterday. A hard night. Stupid climbs. <laughs> so where did you hit the, the big the big climb of Bulka Kreuz? Is, is, is that, that the... That's the one sort of not... The ridiculous? The ridiculous. The ridiculous one. Yeah, that half was 12. half past 12. Yeah. yeah. And we got about maybe 80% of the way up and legs gave out how, how was your night Nick? I, I spent about two hours sleeping in a bus shelter um, by sleeping I mean lying on my back being attacked by mozzies <laughs> you've got a leg covered in blood yes what happened? I fell asleep on the bike and fell off <laughs> whereabouts was that? <sighs> I've no idea <laughs> like in the middle of the night presumably yeah no, it was this morning, wasn't it? It was yeah, six o'clock this morning, was it? Yeah. Quarter to six this morning. So you got scratched up pretty bad. By yeah, not too bad. Trashed a jacket. I still ride. Still ride. Yeah. Jacket's ruined. Bike all right? 
Yeah, not bad. A couple of scratches, but other than that, you just sort of veered survived. into the hedge sort of thing. I veered into him. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you both went down? No, no. Luckily, I I just bounced off of him as he went down. I broke his fall, but he's a big lad. So we've had all the misery stories. Uh, what have been the highlights of of this ride so far scenery. for you? The scenery has just been amazing. I did I didn't realise because we're from between Bath and Bristol. Didn't realise just how stunning the scenery was just a couple hours drive really just absolutely amazing blown away by it and nick you've got a connection with um with mike haven't you yeah i did the very first and the second transcon races that obviously mike organized so i've known mike for a few years now and of course after his death it was like yeah gotta go and do it haven't you and so how far have you got left today 50 miles 50 miles, 80k? Uh, about, no, about 100k left, I think, to go still. Is it? Yeah, about 60 miles. I better get cracking on then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with it. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, and yourself. I'm on Kerry Hill, which is just outside Newtown, and it's the um, start of the Kerry Ridgeway, which is an ancient drove road that heads from here to Bishop's Castle, I think, um, right into the into the Welsh marches across the border in England. And it's a great route, um, walking or on a mountain bike. So I've gone off route here to um, take in a, a track that I thought might be interesting and um, keeps me off the main road for a little bit because the final run-in on this route has got quite a bit of main road so I'm managing to avoid that adding a few more miles and a few more hills but it's um, definitely worth it and I think Mike would approve of a bit of on-the-spot improvisation. The sheep are hungry, the farmer is coming down in his Land Rover to feed them by the looks of things there's a hell of a lot of sheep around at the minute
It's noon on Sunday and um, I've rejoined the official route after a detour of um, maybe 15 miles, a bit more, which was absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad I did it. A few extra miles and a bit of extra uphill, but boy, it was a glorious road over the uh, Balkhasanai and then down through Abbey Come Here, which uh, there's just nobody there. There's nobody on the road at all. Oh, and huge views. And you forget how high the land is around here because it's not, it's not sort of mountainous, it's hilly, but the road topped out at 500 metres, which, um, which is pretty high. Um, by the standards of this ride. I think there's only been maybe one or two other places of that elevation. And I know it's a road that Mike Hall would have known well because he he lived just down down the hill from there. Ah, legs are feeling good. Brain is feeling good. My back's not too sore. No aches and pains. I've got about 10 more kilometres to do, maybe a bit less. And um, that will be it for a total of um, 330 or 340 kilometres, something like that. Plus then uh, the ride back to Abergavenny, which should bring up around 400. But um, I think I'm going to have a pint of beer and a snooze before I hit the road home. Anyway, I'm going to just enjoy this bit and um, try not to let the traffic get me down because it's a fast road and I just don't like riding on these fast day roads one bit. Well, I made it back and um, it feels great to be at the end of what has been a very, very long ride for me, but a thrilling ride and managed to have a snooze and, and everybody's around having a drink. There's some fantastic beer, there's a hog roast and some vegetarian burgers on the grill. It's just a lovely atmosphere and it's made even greater by the fact that Mike's mum, Pat, is here with us and she's here with me now. Pat, it's great to meet you. I mean, I can't imagine what the last year and three months has been like, and I'm not going to ask you to talk about it, but what's it like at this kind of occasion? Oh, this and is to... absolutely brilliant. And just to see all the people that knew him again in one place is lovely. I've, I've had so many hugs and everything because I have this thing that Mike sends me random hugs to keep me going. So I've had lots of hugs, so I've got a lot to keep me going now. Um, Yeah, it's been lovely. Did you know that he was such an important figure to so many people? No, it was just Mike with his bike. I didn't know half of this. It's just overwhelming, you know, and I understand he inspired so many people as well that that I'd never met him, and, and that to me is... Just amazing. Losing a child is just is just an unimaginable thing for a, a parent. 
given that he has got this fame and this this community around him, do you feel like it's making it in, in any way harder, or is it in some ways a comfort? Sometimes it is a comfort, but sometimes I feel I don't know. I didn't know Mike because there's no different side to him, um, and that upsets me a bit because I think that the Mike that I knew wasn't the mic that a lot of these people know. Tell us about the mic that you knew. Oh, you can. <laughs> he was very sensitive. He was a loner when he was at school. He'd been, he was bullied when he was younger. He found it very difficult to make friends. But the friends he did make were lifelong friends. I mean, there are some people here. Yeah. Um... I don't know, I was talking to somebody earlier on and I was just saying, everybody says that I had such a, a wonderful relationship with him. I had a quite a weird relationship with him. I was, it wasn't a mother and son. We were mates. I knew he had to go out and do things. I never stopped um, him doing anything because that was Mike. Um, I would never have told him, you know, don't do that, it's dangerous or anything. I kept that to myself. He would get quite angry if I ever did the mummy thing while he was on. So I learnt quite earlier on that he didn't sort of do these things. And we had a bit of an unwritten uh, thing that I would never contact him while he was on races because he would be... um, worried about me, worrying about him and that would distract him so I never contacted him whenever he was on any of his rides and people found that quite difficult to understand but we just did it because I knew we had to get on with it And did you ever have a sense before he'd become famous Mike Hall around the world record holder and Tour Divide winner that that path awaited him? Did you have a sense that he had that kind of incredible determination and single-mindedness to just to just win these intensely demanding athletic events? No. I knew whatever he would do in life, he would do well. He would never attempt to do anything unless he did it well. So you knew, as I say, whatever, whether it was in his work or his hobbies. But he had a passion for riding. So I thought after the uh, round the world that there was probably something there for him, yeah. He had sort of ideas about what he needed to do and what he wanted to do and you could never move him from that path if that's what he wanted to do. Even when he was younger, you know, he... he there's a story I tell of... Because uh, he, he was born with a cleft lip and that did affect him in the early years he, he had a he didn't have a lot of self-esteem and uh, but when he was like five it, it was the he had this operation on his mouth and he had like 50 stitches in his mouth and he wanted to go to the Christmas party at school so the teacher said he could go and I went down with him and he told me I had to leave and when I went to pick him up I said how's he been she said he's sat and eaten a whole bowl full of salt and vinegar crisps she said when I asked him why are you eating those with that sore mouth he said because I can 
and that was it at five years old and I think that was his philosophy if I can do it I will do it Do the events of his death and the kind of inherent risks in events like the Transcontinental that he's created and, and other events like that does that does that prey on your mind that there is this inherent risk in this this sport how do you handle that I have to think that and I said it before that it was it was Mike's time that's how I deal with it that it could have been anywhere but the fact that he was doing something he loved makes it easier for me and I've you know, if, if only I'm, I keep saying, if only I hadn't been on that road at that time, two minutes earlier or two minutes later. But you can't do that. It, it is, I, I've got to come to terms with the fact that he's gone, but because of the legacy he's left, he's not. He might have left this world, but he's not left people's hearts, and that's how it is.
Well, those were a few fragments of my experience on This Is Not A Tour, and I had a great time, but I really wish I'd had a crack at the 400km route. The good news is that I can, next year, because it's happening again on the weekend of the 15th and 16th of June 2019, and I can highly recommend it, and I'm going to do everything I can to be there. And I'll put some links to the website of the event where you can find out more, where you can enter and where you can read Mike's article, This Is Not A Tour. That's it for this edition of The Bike Show. Thanks as ever for listening and sticking with The Bike Show during this um, somewhat fallow period. Until next time, whenever that may be, goodbye.